This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 2. This is Writing Excuses. I have an idea. Now what? 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And I did not screw up the intro. Great. And in case you missed our episode two weeks ago, we are in season 10 now. 10 seasons of this, and we decided that we would shake it up this year and start what we're calling the Writing Excuses Masterclass. For this entire year, we will have a topic for a given month, and we will really try to drill down into that topic with the goal of guiding you through writing a story this entire year. We cannot think of a better way to celebrate having done 10 years of this podcast and since our first five seasons didn't actually take five years, yes. <laughs> uh, this is a little early. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to last, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about generating ideas. Now we want to talk about taking one of those ideas and pushing it forward. Not actually writing it, it's still a preparation podcast, but how do you develop that idea? How do you expand it? How do you turn it into a story? We talked last week or two weeks ago a little bit about. Uh, Stories that suggest conflict, and that mm -hmm. is one of the places that I always start with this. Once I have an idea that I really love and I want to tell a story about it, what story do you tell? Well, what are the problems that that idea can cause? Who are the people that would be hurt by it? What are the painful decisions that that idea could create? And once you start drilling into those and figuring them out, then it presents all these wonderful conflicts. Yeah, I start with a very similar set of questions like, uh, if, if I'm dealing with a gee whiz idea, or, uh, whether it's a piece of magic or technology, I wonder, how is that going to affect the poorest people in society? How is it going to affect the mm. wealthiest? Mm -hmm. What does the black market look like? How can it be misused? I would say that for me, um, this is a lot of what I do. And sometimes to new writers, it may not be obvious where the conflict is. You'll see in my books that often I will have a setting idea, a world building idea. Ooh, it would be cool if the world were covered in mist every night. I then go for that and say, how does that make people's lives harder? How have the people in the world had to adapt to this happening? Very obvious in the world where I have a storm coming every couple of days that threatens to destroy society and everything has grown up around that idea. And you can turn the simplest thing into conflict. It's going to ruin somebody's day, whatever you're changing. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Flight of the Runewright story um, that I did a couple of years ago for Space Eldritch, the genesis idea is, you know, what if bringing a book on an airplane actually would crash the airplane? What if the runes, what if when you close the book, the ink inside the book forms random symbols and that's dangerous? And from there, uh, from there I ended up with a whole magic system and of course the conflict is, well, we do have random runes on there. We have a stowaway. We have we have instant conflict, and, and it did not go well for people. <laughs> so what's the next step? What do you do when you've got this idea, you know there's a conflict in it, where do you take it? Start looking at the characters. Okay. You know, not just what conflicts, but which specific characters okay. would that hurt or help? Yeah, it's, for me, it's, it's the who will hurt or help, um, because what I'm looking for is someone who has a stake, yes. and then who has agency. Oh, good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Putting a character at the crux of the problem is usually the best way to begin. A lot of early writers, um, their stories I've read, they tend to put someone observing the conflict uh, rather than someone at the very center of the conflict. 
Mm-hmm. One, I, of the, one of the great uh, fantasy books uh, that came out from Tor a couple of years ago, and, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was called Spellwright. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Which was about a, a magic system based on reading, and the main character was had dyslexia and mm-hmm. could not access the magic system the, fully because he could not read properly. Someone who has a stake in it, who wants to be able to do this, but, you know, there's that core conflict. If your magic works this way, who's that going to hurt? Someone who can't read. He was literally misspelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, no, that's... Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it was a deliberate joke in the book, too. Mm-hmm. Blake Charlton, yep. good writer. First thing that I will do when I've got one of these ideas is I actually open up my notebook full of all the little ideas I've had. And most of these are good, but as we spoke about two weeks ago, some of them just don't suggest the story themselves. So I write them down as something that was like like half a seed, a beginning of a seed. And I take this idea that I'm really excited about and I say, which of these ideas, when mixed with this one, brings me something new and something interesting? And I actually go line by line at each of those things looking for anything cool enough to combine together. I do something very similar to that, um, which also involves uh, opening a notebook or a computer screen and and doing the combination, but I also do a brainstorming on paper mm-hmm. so so that I don't lose track of the the ideas and the sparks. Mm-hmm. And I do that with a series of questions. So, you know, the, the ones we've talked about already, but what would happen if? A lot of it for me is what would happen if and how would that, what would happen next? How would that affect the person? So if I've got the two ideas, it's like, you know, um, going back to my assassin and the orange again. I promise not to use all year. Because <laughs> that would be low-hanging fruit. <laughs> uh, should go, no, pineapple. As was that. Yes. Pineapple is actually low-hanging fruit or low-standing yeah, fruit. Yeah, it is. That's true. Grand, mm-hmm. Okay. But, <laughs> so, so, you know, how would, what if, what if you did have someone who was trying to kill people with, an assa- with, with oranges? What if the, the orange season was not good you know what if there was crop failure right what if (laughs) (laughs) one of the questions that i will ask one of the questions that i will ask myself uh and it's usually it usually centers around when i've uh, you know dreamt up some new gee whiz device is what would i do with this and then would i get caught (laughs) and but i mean but this is honestly if you look at comic books Mm -hmm. i swear most golden age silver age comic books grew out of this idea of, wow, if I had this superpower, what would I do? And we have decades of stories growing out of uh, what might be wish fulfillment, what might be uh, maybe something a little darker, a little, a little deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that's a, that's a great, that's a great jumping yeah, off. Yeah, well, and once you do that, it's, it's also very helpful to look at the opposite. And we had this come up in, in a writing class that I taught today. You know, this guy had come up with this really fascinating uh, kind of technology that allowed you to ride somebody else's life and kind of see through mm-hmm. their eyes, and it became a reality show almost. And you know, that is an that's a t- that's a use of that technology that would absolutely crop up. Mm-hmm. But look at the other end. Look at all of the porn films or snuff films that would arise at the very very dark end of that exact same technology, and you start to get a sense of how round and how horrible. Yes. this world could be. I want to also mention something that uh, Mary mentioned two weeks ago, which is the idea of dig deeper. 
Um, if your first idea for a conflict around this story, if it's the first idea you have, it may be the low-hanging fruit. And you, you might have this problem, and it's kind of a conflict for yourself in that you want to design your story in such a way that your main character is put through trouble, put into problems. You want things to go wrong. But if the things that go wrong are too obvious, then your story might lack depth and it might lack impact because the expected thing happens immediately. In some ways, we, we call this, um, you know, the, the foreshadowing, it, it's, it's too obvious, it's low-hanging. It's, it's on telegraphed the on, the, on the nose. Two That's what it nose. is. Yeah. Two, Two on, on the, the nose. nose. Mm -hmm. and, and you could run into that a, a lot. A good way to solve that problem is you come up with a problem that you can't figure out how to solve yet. Mm. You know? Because the first one you come up with, you know, you might have a solution. And then, okay, well, let's dig deeper. Oh, I know how to solve that one. When you come up with something you don't know how to solve, then you know that there's a lot of meat there to play with. And, and I should say that the more complicated the idea is, actually the less plausible it is. Mm. Like, if, if you have a supervillain who has a ridiculously complicated plan, <laughs> that is less plausible than a simple idea. So the simple idea that you cannot solve is, yeah. is actually a bigger conflict than the, you know, like, uh, we had one in one of my classes. She needed to become a, um, uh, uh, an assassin in order to survive. I'm like, why didn't she just get a job as a milliner? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh. <laughs> Let's stop for our book of the week. Oh. Okay. So we're talking about ideas uh, and idea to story. Ship Star by uh, Gregory Benford and Larry Niven. Um, it's the, the second book in the... Uh, it follows uh, Bowl of Heaven. Uh, what I loved about this book, besides the fact that you know, it was just awesome fun, is that at the end of the book were essays by Greg Benford and Larry Niven talking about uh, their exploration of the idea of this giant uh, you know, solar system-sized spaceship and what it would be like if instead of doing like Niven did with Ringworld and having a fallen civilization you have a civilization that has been thriving for millions of years. What would that look like? And, and that was what they set out to explore. Uh, you can get this on Audible, uh, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. We'll let you get it by starting a free membership and supporting the podcast. And it'll, it'll be uh, narrated by Zach Villa. So Ship Star by Gregory Benford and Larry Niven. Okay, so what do we do what let's say our our listeners our students are sitting here saying saying okay that's great that's what you guys do i need a launching off point where do i go what advice do you have well i'll tell you that this is an exercise that i do and and i actually started doing it while howard was giving the um ooh is it for your your ninja your, <laughs> yeah, your so i was ninja? like ooh you know that the, here are two ideas so why doesn't this person who's trying to become an assassin in order to survive, just become a milliner. And then I'm like, oh, milliner assassin. So the first thing I did was I just combined two ideas. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, she kills with hat pins. <laughs> and then I went deeper. Or, or 
artificial fruit, oh, oranges, <laughs> or poisoned hats. How would she get a poisoned hat into someone, and how would that avoid being traced? And so basically what you're seeing there is I'm sitting there going, oh, but this would be cooler, and how much deeper can I go? Mm -hmm. This actually is the point in the um, process where brainstorming is generally the most useful. Brainstorming is not always that useful for idea generation. It can be. Idea development is where you want to sit down and just throw down every wacky thing you can think of. Force yourself to extrapolate and have that big document where you type every random idea that occurs to you that changing this one thing or having this one character or having this world would do. Yeah. Now, I wanted to point out, you know, talking about the, the difference between an, an assassin and a milliner, um, you know, go ahead and start with your most awesome idea. Mm -hmm. If you're really excited about an assassin, don't just drop it because it's implausible. Brainstorm all the ways in which she could be forced into a life as an assassin. Right. Yeah. You know, spend your energy on that and work towards that awesome idea that has you excited. Yes, One of the absolutely. reasons that I actually I wrote The Way of Kings is there are lots of ideas that came together for this, but one was this idea of if you look at fantasy art, people are often using exaggeratedly large weapons and armor that doesn't make sense for what they're fighting. And I said, I want to design a world where that weaponry makes sense, where they had to have that technology to resist whatever they were fighting against. And I retrofitted a conflict based on the fact that I wanted people to be swinging around seven-foot swords. Outsized weapons and ridiculous yes. armor. Yeah. And that, that's, that's something that I do a lot. When I, when I talk about um, you know, what if and how and why, mm -hmm. that, um, that you, you start from the middle and you work out. And, and I'll do that, that retrofitting, too, where I figure out who my character, what my character's backstory is based on who I need them to be in order to, right. to fill out the story, which we'll talk more about characters later. But this yes. also works with the whole idea generation thing as you're starting to flesh the idea out. This is the story you want to tell. What are the conditions right. that one will of, deliver that story? One of the most valuable resources for me is my writing group. Uh, now, this is a group of people that I trust. And I can sit down with them and I can tell them, okay, this is my cool gem of an idea. And maybe that, maybe that gem is a reveal. Maybe that gem is a cool technology. And I'll tell them, look, I, you know, I've got the beginning of a story wrapped around it, but I'm just not sure what to do. And the group will start throwing ideas around. And as we do that, uh, you know, two heads are better than one. And uh, some amazing things come out of that group. And then I go and write something completely different. One of the first <laughs> things that I do is I sit down and I open up a new document. And I write plot, setting, character, which are the three things that I build a story out of. And then I write down all the ideas that I've had for various things. And sometimes it'll be empty in one of those realms. That's fine. This is the preparation stage. But this helps me identify where my holes are. Like if I go to character, I know I'm going to want several characters. It's the type of story I write. And I want them to have a variety of life experiences. And so if I thought of two characters who are very similar stage in life and, you know, same gender or same ethnicity, then I'm like, I may have a problem here in that there's a hole. There's something more I need to be doing here. This story is going to be boring because the two characters are the same. Or it'll help me identify, okay, I've got great character conflicts. I don't have a setting yet. Where are my holes? Where am I going to have to brainstorm? And where do I need to extrapolate? You know, uh... I find a similar thing, you know, when you're looking at what kind of an idea you have, that that can also suggest, at least for me, what kind of 
of story it wants to be. Right. You know, if I'm really excited about a character, if that's mm -hmm. what the idea is, then I think that could be a series. You know, I could tell right. so many stories about this person because he or she is so interesting. Whereas if it's a specific conflict or an event or a scene that gets me excited, mm -hmm. then that might be a much shorter thing. Sometimes I'll also do something that I call a thumbnail sketch. Mm. Which is where I, and it's similar to the idea, the exercise we had them do in, in the first episode yes. of the season, where I write 150 word uh, sketches of, of possible stories around this idea. So it'll be, and, and they're very rough, you know, like, Milliner Assassin is faced with trying to take down the king with a poison crown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Conflict, and then she succeeds. And then, then I'll do another one. Milliner Assassin is trying to feed her aged grandmother, but accidentally gives her the wrong hat. <laughs> <laughs> chaos ensues. Happy ending. Mm. And, and you see, I'm not, I mean, I know yeah. really do chaos ensues happy ending. And the right. happy ending is to tell me I want this story to build towards yeah. a happy end. I don't know what that end is yet. Yeah. This really helps you identify the promises that you need to be making early in your book based on the tone that you want your book to have. If I know I'm writing an adventure story, I, that will help me develop characters that will fit that and a tone that will help that, as opposed to if I'm doing a quiet, introspective piece. All right, let's go to our writing exercise. Now, two weeks ago, we gave you a, an assignment that helped you generate five ideas. You may use those. We hope that you have been doing this and you'll follow along. If you haven't, You'll just need to find five ideas on your own, generated through the favorite way you like to generate ideas. Go to your book of ideas, and we want you to take them and do this to them. Take two of the ideas and combine them into one story. Take another one of the ideas and change the genre. Genre swap is a great way to help yourself really kickstart a story, where you take something that you were planning to be science fiction and try to tell the same story in a fantasy story, or take something that was supposed to be a contemporary, novel about dating, and then make it a Western. Uh, take another one of your ideas, and we want you to take the ages and genders of the characters that you had sketched out and swap them around. Change the ages and genders of everybody in the story and see what it does to your story. And then with the last one, we want you to pick an idea where a choice was made and have a character make the opposite choice in this story and see where it would send you. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.